There we find him claiming that he would now preach Paul's gospel, which he preached finally in the last two or three years. He preached basically justification without works, period, by faith alone. No one, as far as I understand, we have not attained the revelation of true justification by faith alone. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Because we are promised in the Scripture and by the message a refilling of the Holy Ghost when the last member is baptized into the body of Christ. When the last one comes in wherever they are. When that last one is baptized in water and God accepts it as the last member in the body of Christ, at that time there will be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon the complete body of Christ, every living member. Every living member will be filled with the Holy Ghost to the place that that corporate group will be have the same ministry and power and fullness that Jesus Christ himself had for three and a half years in his ministry. So that is a little picture of what we're trying to get across and to think about when you're teaching doctrine, especially justification, which Luther preached justification, but you're going to find that Brother Branham in most of his sermons until the seals open now, he preached justification as part of Luther's ref- restoration. Justification, Luther, sanctification, Wesley, the gifts on the Holy Ghost, and then his word or his message. He used justification as only a step of what we would call repentance. A step of repentance, being baptized. Therefore, we are justified, and then we had to be sanctified and get all the world taken out of us. Then we had to receive the Holy Ghost, and then we come to the Word, His message. Most preachers are still preaching those steps and believe that each individual must go through those steps. But we'll find that there is only one step for the true seed of God, and that is the baptism of the Holy Ghost that reveals to them that they are sons and daughters of God, And they stand justified before God as though you never sinned. You were trapped into it. And you are divorced from the old nature and sin. And God does not even look upon you as a sinner. Now that is an end time revelation. And only at the end time, after the word has been restored, after Malachi 4 has come and brought us back to the truth, after the book is opened, After the seals have been opened and now witnessed and fulfilling. After that comes what we call this adoption or the placing of the church into its fullness of power. Are you following me so far? So it is an event that still sets before us and it must happen before the resurrection. I'm putting a lot of facts there as ultimatums. There's not a hope that we think so. This is the way the Scripture declares that it's going to be. So let's look in Ephesians 3, 12 to 21. Because we're looking at justification. And Brother Bram said we must receive the atonement in His fullness. And the atonement in His fullness produces righteousness in the believer by faith. God done the work. 
we have to believe what he has done. The Bible said by one man in Romans, Paul said by one man. Now watch carefully the reading of the word. By one man, many were made sinners. So by one man, Adam, the many, every son of God, is all is in the redemption now. All the sons of God were made sinners. Now, if you was made a sinner, what was you before you was made a sinner? Think about it. You said, well, that would have to go back to the mind of God. That's true. What was you in the mind of God before Adam made us sinners? Well, we were sons of God and we were righteous. We were sinless. All right. If Adam made us sinners and we're ever one born in sin, shape and nature, we come, we're speaking lies except one man, one son wasn't. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Then Paul says also by one man, Christ Jesus, the second Adam, the many that were made sinners, the many is made righteous. All right, now what have you got to do to be made righteous? Not one thing. You didn't have one thing to be made a sinner. And you don't have one thing that you can do to be made righteous. Now, the whole power of it lays in the revelation of who you are and what you are and your time and season. And this is what we're going to look at. In Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 12, it said, For this cause, Paul said, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope people will crit criticize me of believing a father and a son relationship. Because if you read your Bible, you cannot read your Bible and put one like your finger or three individual persons. There is one God who is spirit and one Lord Jesus Christ who is the only begotten Son of God birthed in such a way that he could redeem the family that Adam made sinners. All right, so the revelation of Christ making us righteous is the revelation that is left to the believers down through the ages and an end time groom to cap the whole body of Christ off to make the statue of a perfect man, I believe will come to the revelation of our justification by faith alone. You say, well, I want to be greater than just justified. How can you be any greater than being made righteous before God? How can you be any greater than being sinless before God? You said, there's no such a person. We're going to find out that every one of us are sinless this morning by the blood of Jesus Christ. You said, what all the fuss is about? All the fuss is not understanding the word interpreted correctly. Why did God have to send us a prophet? We had the Bible, they say. Well, Israel had the Bible. They had the word, but they had the wrong interpretation. They understood the word to the degree when the Messiah that they was looking for, and they made the sacrifices every holy day looking for the Messiah. When he come... They didn't understand how it would come and didn't recognize him when he did come. Could that happen again? Could the Holy Spirit have in his word 
that he would come and visit us in such a way that we've been preached this and that and what more. I'm looking for Jesus coming, airplanes crashing and all that. And he'd come in such a way that we didn't even know it, revealed himself to a group of people, that little 12 group in there, that elected, that very elected group that had a little element or shadow of faith. Will I find faith on earth when I come? In other words, will there be faith to receive the presentation of Jesus Christ to his bride? Because a marriage takes place here. We must become one with Jesus Christ, making one body and one person. And just follow me. And that person will be a corporate, many-membered body, making up one person or one church called the bride. Are you following now? So you're looking at a corporate group of people that will come to a small or capstone revelation at the very end time that will be their element that will positionally place them in the presence of God to receive the placing of sonship into the dynamics in the kingdom of God. Amen. It's coming, and it's coming very quickly. Let's look at it. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So what are we named? Jesus. His name is Jesus. The Father's name was Jesus. And the body, the bride's name is Jesus. So we're all one whole family. Look around and look at your family or your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because you're going to have to spend a long time with them. Well, I think I'm going to build my camera way over there. And you guys don't come bother me at all. Okay. Verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, which we don't understand, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, when does that happen? After the book is open and the full revelation of Jesus Christ comes forth in a message of this hour, which will be the true unadulterated grace of God revealed to a group of people. Amen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. That gives you a pyramid. There's your four. That's your statue of a perfect man that Peter preaches over there. Seven steps to glory. And to know the love of Christ, which is election, which passeth knowledge. If it passeth knowledge, it has to be a spiritual revelation birthed into you by the Holy Spirit himself. You cannot get this by reading, writing, studying, or listening to a preacher or following rules or regulations. You can live as holy as a monk and go to hell faster than a billy goat. You say, well, what if you can live, drink a beer and do whatever more? Can you go to heaven? Absolutely, if you're elect. Oh, but elect wouldn't do that. Find me the elect in the Bible. They've done everything that you can think of. They stole another man's wife, killed his husband, lied, whatever more, murdered and everything else, and they were all God's very elect. All right, okay. We're still here this morning? All right. 
And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, in other words, is a revelation or faith of the verse 17 up there, that here's the key, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, that hasn't transpired yet. Now, remember, Paul said, I believe in Romans 12, 3, that every one of us was filled with a measure of faith. Every son is granted a measure of faith. You had seven church ages. We wanted to put the drawing up here in the seven joints, the statue of perfect man. Every joint, according to Paul in Ephesians, every joint had its portion or its measure of the Word of God or the revelation of the hour. Now, remember, only the revelation for your day is made alive to you or has any life in it to place you positionally in the body of Christ. You could go to the Lutheran church all your life and read everything Luther taught, and he still wouldn't place you in the light of this hour. So we understand now, I know people don't agree with this, but we understand that the, each age then must recognize their messenger to receive the message for the hour that places them into the body of Christ. Would, agree, would you agree on that? So most people push the prophet, push the prophet for many, many years, and it is true. If you recognize your messenger, you're more open to receive the message. You cannot reject the messenger and receive the message. Because the messenger and the message is one. And we had a voice to declare that God himself is now the messenger to the elected church that would accept him by faith. So there is a group of people that will look beyond the flesh veil and understand spiritually what is going on and recognize that voice of authority is what's positionally placing them under thus saith the Lord, making them their very elect for this hour. There is your evidence. Everybody's looking for an evidence. Will I do this? Will I do that? Uh, evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is recognizing and receiving the word or the message for this hour. That's what the Scripture says. Watch. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Colossians 2, 9 says, In Christ uh, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Only in Jesus Christ ever dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But we see here a promise by the Apostle Paul that there will be a filling of the Holy Ghost for the field. A refilling of the Holy Ghost for the Holy Ghost-filled sons of God. This refilling of the Holy Ghost is what Paul taught in Romans and other places, what he called the adoption or the placing of the sons of God. And he's following now. So this refilling has to do with our adoption that can only come when the last member is placed in the body of Christ, which we're in that season now, because Malachi 4 has come, this book is open. The prophet has been off of the scene for many years. Now we've been under the ministry or teaching ministry of the Holy Ghost, under teachers and pastors, looking over what God has done, reading the quotes, teaching the Scripture, bringing us to a tutorship by the presence of God to an understanding of who you are, 
what you are, and you are righteous before Almighty God. Our judgment seat has been going on right here because the judge come in 1963, and we sit before the Bema of Christ now all these years, and you're still sitting here, which speaks of what? Your election. You say, well, I thought it would be something else. How, when am I going to walk on water and what anymore? You may never walk on water. Because we're looking at the unfolding of this plan down through the ages. And my, I'm not Noah and I'm not Moses. We're in this hour in Laodicea where the total world is in total darkness. We're looking at a total reprobate faith by the churches. You say reprobate faith? What is reprobate faith? Reprobate faith is having faith in something that cannot come to pass. So they're believing that they're going in a rapture, believing in three gods, baptism and titles, all this, whatever more they got going on, and they're having faith that they're the church and they're leaving. That's a reprobate faith because it's contrary to the Word of God. Many people's got a reprobate faith in this message. Well, Brother Brown's going to come and set up a tent, and we're going to set a tent here. I'll, I'll trace one time. If Brother Brown come up and set up a tent and preach everywhere he said he was going to preach, it would take, I think, I was, seven or eight or nine years for him to fulfill everything that he said he was going to do in a time period. Can you imagine having a tent with an outdoor toilet up in Canada at this season? It's not going to happen. So if you're still advocating, oh, Brother Bob's going to come back, we've got the tent, we've got the airplane, you have a reprobate faith. You're having faith in something that cannot or will not come to pass by the very voice that you claim to believe. Amen. So it behooves us to understand and listen to what he said very carefully. Watch now. And what is the Holy Ghost given for? Brother Brown makes this statement now. But now when we need it, the Spirit of God raises a standard. Well, we need it. We're in the world now, politically speaking. We're only a few days away from basically total chaos politically. This thing is going downhill faster than you could put a Band-Aid over a scar. It will happen so quick. It will dissolve so quick. The supply chains and everything else, it will be a total shutdown of the economy before we can even understand what's going on. Amen. You say, well, maybe so-and-so, maybe so-and-so, and so-and-so. The prophet already spoke, but he also said, before Jesus Christ comes, we'll have a woman president before the annihilation of America, and he said the third pool will be manifested in a bride before the destruction comes to America, right before the resurrection of the sleeping saints. Because it takes the adoption of the living group of people to raise up the sleeping saints. So the anointing is going to come on the living group before it raises the sleeping group up to assemble together here in one place. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we will have a short anointing, a short ministry of power, even as Jesus had, and he said even to the speaking of the word, to whatever degree that might be, and don't get carried away with tent revivals and speaking squirrels and all that, 
It may not even be that direction. But the anointing and the fullness of the Holy Ghost will be on the living group of people right before the resurrection time. That is our hope. That is our confession. And that's what we should be looking forward to and confessing that we're a part of it. He said, now watch. The Spirit of God raises a standard. What is it? He is pouring. Now watch Brother Branham's language. He was perfect in English and poor in grammar. But he was perfect here. He is pouring in his spirit. Pouring means constantly pouring in. Continually pouring in. There was a continual pouring into the Holy Ghost all through the seven church ages until this last capstone group is poured up and all the Holy Spirit is poured in. And the whole body is made. Now he's going to anoint this corporate sons of God. A lot of people want to call that the man child of Revelation. Don't go there because you don't understand it. And I don't either. Just bring it down to where Paul teaches. The living group of people that are now sons, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the spirit of adoption already, but there's a time element involved before that anointing is allowed to quicken us or clothe us in immortality to manifest to the world that we are the true sons and daughters of God. It will be the final separation between the wise and the foolish virgins which are both in this message. There will be a showdown, and it will be the adoption with the authority of thus saith the Lord in a group of people called the bride that the foolish virgins will not even attempt. They cannot come there. It will be that final separation. Watch. I know people say, well, you can't tell the foolish virgin and wise virgin. Well, you can if you want to be that specific because doctrine absolutely separates the two. But there's many people that are bride that has never been taught doctrine, so you got to be careful there. So in other words, all of us that don't have enough 10 cents to buy a dollar, it's worth anyway, we're all trusting in the grace of God. So let's don't get out of our place, don't get out of our capacity. We're just waiting and believing that we're one of them. And I have a promise of a filling of the Holy Ghost to take me out of here in immortality. And I pray that everybody goes with me. Amen. You say, well, they're not in the shape to go. Well, I'm not in the shape to go. There's not a person in this building or in the Branham movement right now that's in the shape to go as far as perfection according to the way they preach it. The only perfection now is the blood of Jesus Christ, and without that revelation, you are not perfect. Period. Praise God. It's, a, it's doctrine. It's a revelation. It's not this legalism stuff. I preached it too long and know it don't work. Amen. See, he is pouring in his spirit. That's continual pouring. Then those who are resting out yonder in the grave, watch now, are under the altar of God. As the scripture says, are crying, how long, Lord? Now, you've got to watch the prophet there because why? He's still got a lot of the kingdom of God message in his sermons. Those resting in the grave are Gentiles. Those hollering, how long, Lord, are Jews under the altar that, were, that died in the Holocaust or whatever more. And he said, they're crying, how long, Lord? And he said, until your brethren, the 144,000, come in also. So we read that and say, oh, glory to God, hallelujah. But if you look at it very carefully, speaking of two groups. How long? See, how much longer? 
God is waiting on me and you. Well, praise God. God's waiting on me and you. How long have we heard that? Since 1959. What's he waiting on? For us to straighten up, get better, get holy? The church is waiting on me and you. The church that's in the ground is waiting on you and me and you that are living. To do what? Come to the adoption. Come to the manifestation of the fullness of Christ. They're waiting for a refilling of the Holy Ghost in a living group that will quicken the complete body of Christ for the resurrection. Because they cannot be made perfect, in other words, glorified, without us having the anointing of glorification or the anointing of immortality on us now. Your soul is immortal now, but we're still trapped in a body, a body born of sin, a law of reproduction. This here has got to go. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we need a strengthening in the inner man that will bring a divine healing from our mind, our spirit, all the way out upon our flesh, and our flesh will be glorified in the presence of the church of the living God. Hallelujah. And that is our promise, and that is our portion, and that is our message. We shall not sleep, but we shall all be changed. How long, Lord? He's waiting. The church is waiting. See, notice the church. That's the, every group from the Apostle Paul to the last one that just died. The church is waiting on you and I. Watch now. On me and you to do what? Adoption time. You got the quote up there? Okay. Yeah. What are they waiting for? Adoption time. When is adoption time? Right before the resurrection between the voice, the shout and the voice. Because the shout is for the living, the voice is for the dead. Then the trump of God and we shall be joined together and rise with him. Now, adoption time, what, when God can pour into us his fullness. That's not a baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's not just speaking in tongues and feeling good for 15 minutes. This fullness is everything God is. In other words, we don't even understand the fullness. Brother Branham didn't have the fullness. He had an anointing. He had a ministry. He had a gift. Look at his ministry with just a gift. Speaking squirrels in existence. Raising the dead. Open the blind eyes. Not another ministry lived on the face of the earth as close to Jesus Christ as William Branham was. Then they turn him down because of what? Oh, he didn't teach the word right. He wasn't a theologian. No, but he was a prophet that went and asked the author what the word meant, and God told him what it meant. You can say what you want to. You receive what you want to, but this is the truth as far as we believe it. Amen. So, watch. Can pour into us, that's plural now, his fullness that hasn't been manifested yet. Will you agree with that? His power, His resurrection. So He tells you there's going to be a pouring in of His fullness. His power will be the manifestation. His resurrection will be the product of it to the church body 
it that lays in the ground, which Brother Branham's group, the last day will come up first, but there are more, and then Paul's group will go up first. The seven will be first right on down to Paul. Then they'll start up. Paul will go first right on down to the seven. And we, with our messenger, will be the last element of believers to leave the earth to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So you're looking at a period of time when a group of people, how big a group, I don't know. There could be 10, 12, but there should be more than one. Enoch was one man. So we know it would be at least one anyway. But there will be a group of people. Brother Man said maybe it's 500 out of all these millions. There will be a small group, but that one group will absolutely be anointed as one person. That group will absolutely be God manifested in its fullness right here on earth. They will have, thus saith the Lord, they will stop the heavens or whatever God ordains or whatever is required. They will absolutely have the Word of God and it will create itself right in the presence of the people. Hallelujah. Brother Ben was the first fruits in a type that showed us that power that was already here. Watch his power, his resurrection, that when the church and Christ become so close together till Christ becomes visible among us and raises the dead. Becomes visible among us. How is the Holy Spirit going to become visible in us? By manifestation, you've seen Jesus was God made visible. They only seen God by the works. Because they said, if you can't believe me, believe the works. And there's going to be a group of people that won't believe the revelation. They won't believe it. There will be a manifestation to prove to them that we are the elect. which will totally separate the wise and the foolish, that will cause the foolish, therefore, to know they didn't accept the atonement in its fullness. They didn't see themselves righteous or justified by faith. Therefore, they will go through the tribulation, but will therefore have the faith by the manifestation of the adoption of the sons of God to be able to go to their death because that's their only way out. So watch what? Uh, and raise the dead, and we go in the rapture. Now, we said a lot this morning and not saying too much at all either. But what we're looking at is this event that I believe that is shortly set before us. Now, let's look at it. So we see that adoption or placing of the sons in authority will be a short period of time right before the resurrection, and even as Jesus was placed into authority on Mount Transfiguration. Let's look at it just a minute. We should take a whole lesson on it. Adoption simply means the placing of a son. It has nothing to do with our modern term of adoption. I had a Baptist guy try to argue with me for hours over the Internet. He's trying to preach adoption like uh, American adoption. You take someone here that's not your family, put them in and make them. No, no, no. That's not Bible adoption. Adoption in the Bible is basically you're a son. You was born to son. And now then you grow up. You got to grow to a certain height or a certain age. And hopefully your father thinks you got enough sense to take over the government. Take over the business. Run the store. 
Not these flippantly guys here, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, and go broke. He's not going to give it. You got one son that spends all his money like the two prodigals. One son stays home, what more, whatever more. He's not going to give it to you unless you're able to run the business. You say, well, I'm 40 years old, Pop. I'm I'm old enough to run the business. You might be old enough, might not be smart enough. Because if you don't know how to run the business, the business will fail. And God has a teacher called the Holy Spirit. And he has some instruments called the fivefold ministry that has enough patience with the, the children, what more, to over and over and over and over, ABC, 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 until the, hopefully they graduate. But in this school of theology, God's tutorship, you don't graduate and be ignorant at the same time. And God never give a diploma for ignorance. So he trains the child in the ways of God. Until the child reaches a place of maturity where he can handle, let's say, thus saith the Lord. Hmm, now that's a lot of power and authority. But remember, he didn't place this infant out here and bring him in. He only placed sons. So adoption means the placing of sons. I mean, he's got it now. Jesus, let's look at the type because we carry the same type. Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born the Son of God. Is that right? He was born a son. At 30 years of age, had to be about a father's business at 30 years of age, at his baptism. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit come down. And said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. There Jesus, the son of God, was recognized as a son. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a witness to recognize your sonship. The Holy Ghost is not going to recognize you if you're not a son. It's just the truth. I just, um, uh, what, just let it go where it is. So he's only going to recognize sons. So the Holy Ghost bears witness that you are a son of God. Now, when did you become a son? Now, you've got to see this to ever come to true justification. When did you become a son? You always were a son. Now, how do we know that? Because the seventh seal is open. The church world didn't know this before the seals was open and God restored the truth, the mystery that was hidden in his mind before the foundation of the world. We were righteous in the mind of God, and we shouted around the throne of God when we were even in the thoughts of God. Glory to God. That's the only way you can have eternal life. You always did have eternal life. That soul in you is eternal. Now, what the gospel is, is to cause you to recognize that soul in you is of God when you respond to the gospel and say, Abba, Father. Glory to God. When the Holy Ghost comes, what is the result of it? Abba, Father. Now, He recognized you as a son, so you can recognize yourself as a son. So why do we keep guessing, am I a son, am I a son, am I born again? Why do you keep guessing over and over whether you're a son of God or not? We should know that we know. 
well, praise God, if I was a son, I'd already be able to. If you're a son, what should come out of your mouth is, I believe the blood justified me once and for all. Now, what God wants to do with me after that, that's up to God. Well, what if I pray for this and pray for that and don't get it? Well, quit praying for it then. Well, I pray to be a preacher. I pray for six months to be a preacher, and he ain't called me to preach yet. He may never call you to preach. Well, I think I'll be a deacon, and then I'll work my way up through the preacher. When the preacher dies, I'll take over. That's what puts a pulpit full of whatever deacons. They're not called to preach. Well, they're a good speaker. They're a nice brother. God's not interested in good speakers and nice brothers. He's interested in sonship, seed of God. Amen. And he knows who is his. Yes, sir. Let's look now. So we understand that. Uh, when Jesus now, at his baptism, he was recognized as a son. Born a son, recognized as a son. Then what would happen? He was tested as a son. Is that right? So every son will be born by the Holy Spirit or recognized as a son by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You was born a son now. Now when you receive the Holy Ghost, you have to be tested what will your test be? Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or one God with only begotten Son? Water baptism, evidence of the Holy Ghost, eternal hell, salvation by works, grace. What, what are you going to be tested? You're going to be tested by the Word of God. Now, a faithful word or a faithful student of God by the Holy Ghost will receive teaching until they realize that they have received now the plan of God for them in their life. That group is laid aside. But now we happen to be born in the last group, in that very capstone mind age, that little element up here where God has ordained. Praise be to God. He's ordained a small group of people to believe that they are the manifested sons of God and will be made manifest and God made visible in their flesh, in my flesh, and your flesh. That's the promise of God. That's thus saith the Lord. And when we learn to understand and receive and rest our faith on thus saith the Lord, we'll begin to get somewhere. So, he, so Jesus now, when was he placed in authority? Now this is very key. Because now the message people has moved from the Pentecostal version, more or less, to believe that sons are going to be adopted in the resurrection. Only in the resurrection and after the resurrection. Because no one could do this before. All right. Jesus, on Mount Transfiguration, was recognized and placed as a son in authority on Mount Transfiguration. The vision said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. He was still mortal. So this garment or the anointing of immortality was placed upon him while he was still a mortal. He did not become immortal until after the resurrection. All right. So the body of Christ will still be mortal 
when the anointing of immortality comes upon us, and that anointing and fullness of God will be such power that it will absolutely change our body from corruption to incorruption. Glory to God. We've got no example because this has never happened before, but we have the word of a prophet. So what? So right before the resurrection will this come. Brother Bram said, now what shall I do with Jesus called Christ? He said, now watch. The dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Spirit that we have worked in a small measure while the headstone is coming down to unite with the body. What was that small measure? Well, you could call it the Pentecostal age, but I call it the first and second pull of Brother Branham's ministry. He said, and the third pull was the opening of the Word, and then he claimed that when the Word was basically revealed to teach us to correct the error. If you follow any word, I've, uh, there's six or eight messages where Brother Brown's preached on Hear Ye Him, Adoption 1 and 2 and 3, uh, Predestinated Mystery of His Will, uh, What is the Holy Ghost Given for, Question Answers. If you'll follow that teaching in the 60 on adoption, Brother Branham never corrected anything that he taught on adoption after the seals was open. Therefore, what he taught in the 60s in that series on adoption holds true after the seals was open, except his language. He began to call it the third pull. Now, why would he do that? I don't know. Confuse everybody else and get everybody confused or the church world confused or make us a cult more than anything else. But he called it the third pull. And he said, what you've seen in my ministry will be minor to what happens in this group once the adoption or the placing of the Holy Ghost by this refilling of the Holy Ghost comes to the church, not to individuals, not to just the preachers, to every living member of the bride of Christ. Amen. I know people don't like corporate teaching, but Brother Bram taught that this baptism would be a corporate body ministry. He said the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Spirit that we worked in a small measure while the headstone is coming down to unite with the body. But when that head and body unites together, the full power. Now, the full power he called the third pull. Before the seals in the 60s, he called it the placing of sons. The full power or the third pull of the Holy Ghost would raise her up just exactly like that. Even the dead that's in Christ for hundreds of years ago will rise in the beauty of His holiness and take a flight to the skies. The dynamics is the Holy Spirit. What a promise. Glory to God. Henry is looking forward to it. Henry would like to have a little taste of it this morning. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. It is not us. It's already in us. See, we have already been recognized as sons and daughters. We have been baptized with the Holy Ghost. You said, well, if I have been baptized with the Holy Ghost, then that must mean I have authority over all powers, principality, devil, sickness, everything. Absolutely. We already have that authority. But remember, the Apostle Paul had the authority over that gal that basically said, oh, uh, here's the servants of God. Here they are. Him. Brother Bam said, now, he had the authority to cast that demon out. 
two or three days before, but God held it back. Until Paul got kind of upset about it, got his little hooked nose up, up in the air, and said, I'm tired of this, Lord. He said, okay, go ahead and cast her out, but it's going to cause you problems. Well, I'm going to get that idiot out of my church. You better watch out. That's going to cause you problems. You can cast out one devil, you stir up a whole bunch of devils. Say amen. <laughs> Just to the old man. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get rid of that one. Yeah, and you're going to read up a whole bunch of devils. You got more problems than you had before. It got him thrown in jail. So how many wants the devil cast this morning out this morning? Now remember, to make your mind conscious that we are not breaking the law. How many knows there are only about 10 or 15? We're breaking the law this morning by not having a mass on assembling together more than 10. What more? We're absolutely breaking the mandate of some whatever more out here. But we're actually protesting this morning. We're protesting the devil. Now, protesting is not against the law. When you're protesting, you don't have to have a mask on. You can stand within six feet of each other. You can gather together as many as you can get in a crowd. You can scream and holler and burn down buildings and everything else as much as you want to, and that's all right. So if they come to arrest us, will they say, we're protesting? Maybe we need to make us some banners, maybe. Whatever you want to say, I come to mind, but I can't, I'm not going to say that. Everybody have a banner. When they come in the door, hold up your banner. Protest. Praise God. We're for cops. Amen. We're protesting. Now, don't laugh. They come into the church in Canada. Shut them down. They're coming here too. You've only seen the beginning. This spirit, this devil is going to eliminate the middle class people. What this devil is all about, this spirit, is about the church. But they're ignorant. They're not learned in the Word. They'll go try to set down the Catholics and the Baptists and Assemblies of God, because they got lawyers and everything else, thinking they're getting to the church. We're the bride we're what we call the true church of God. It's so small that they're not worried about us. We couldn't get a lawyer if we wanted to and don't even want one. But when they start pressuring us, squeezing us in more and more, and it's coming, that anointing is going to be on the sons of God. You will open your mouth and words will come out that didn't even come in your mind first. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say. It will take authority over every devil, every power, everything else. And we will have, thus saith the Lord, stop the heavens and close them up or anything else. Because it's promised to come. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Romans 8, 15. I got 10 more minutes. Romans 8, 15, Paul tells us what? For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We're not under the law. I hope we get across without confusing people about the Bible and saying that we believe this and believe that. There's two covenants in the Bible. One covenant is to the Jews. There's one covenant 
to the Gentiles. Don't mix them. How many Baptist churches believe you're saved by grace, eternal security, and preach the Ten Commandments every other month? If we could be made perfect by the law, we wouldn't need Christ as a sacrifice for sin. The law was instilled by God to bring forth sin and rebellion out. It, the law is for sinners, lawbreakers, murderers, liars, lawlessness. It just keeps it in check. But the law won't ever change your nature. Come on now. I, I've seen some people, you could put them to a tape measure. Their skirt was right. Their hair was right. Their tongue was this long. And you couldn't find nothing outside of being a hypocrite wrong with them. And you can't put enough laws on them to change that nature. They come out fighting every time. Come on, these legalistic preachers. Come and tell me that the law has taken out your morality. If law will t make you morally pure, what are you running off with other women for? Come on. Then shut up and start preaching grace and repent of the law and come and preach salvation by grace and through faith alone. And Amen. Then you'll be in the message of the hour. For you have not received the spirit of a bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit has recognized you as a son. You already have the spirit of adoption, but it has not come time for that complete element of the body for God to anoint the whole body for resurrection and the change of the body. When will it come? When the last one is baptized into the body of Christ. Well, where will that may be? It could be in Africa. It could be in Dunn. It could be in this building. It could be in the wherever. But when that last one comes in, and I doubt if there's very few left out there, if there's any. When that last one comes in, they get a little bit of training to realize they're sons. This anointing will come and finish up the whole thing just like that right there. Paul tells us we already have received the spirit of adoption by the new birth. Romans 8.33. Notice Paul said, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Whew. My boy, Paul was wonderful. I love him. Praise God. <laughs> I think I can live under Apostle Paul. Like I've said, I listened to You Must Be Born Again, Brother Bram's sermon on a tape. I thought basically I'd already progressed. I had many laws. I'd preached Christmas trees. I'd preached this. I'd preached T-shirts. I'd preached everything that I knew how to preach. I'd go back and listen to a few more sermons, Brother Bram, to find out something else to preach on. And he covered everything that he could cover. And it still didn't have it. It still didn't do nothing. Except to make a bunch of hypocrites. Sour people. Some under fear. Some under this. Some under that. But you didn't have the joy. You didn't have the peace. You didn't have the liberty. You didn't have the freedom of the Holy Ghost to worship God in spirit. Amen. In the word. You, you was afraid to raise your hands and open your mouth and give praise to Almighty God. Why was the Pentecostal people so blessed? You can, can't tell me that the Pentecostal people wasn't blessed. What did they have? They had a spirit of thankfulness. They raised their voice and thanked God for the meal. They thanked God for the job. They thanked God for the healing of their children. They was, had a spirit of thankfulness only. They thanked God for everything. They could come in. I remember when a young child, 
even in the song service with a little tambourine and a piano out of tune, doom to doom to doom, they get to shouting, praising God and thanking Him for the crops, thanking Him for rain, thanking Him for health and everything. And the Holy Spirit would fall and shout and run all over the building for two or three hours. And God's blessings were everywhere. Then He blessed us so much, we got a little money in our pocket, we got some new clothes, new house, car that don't break down, I had to pour water in it to get it five miles. Amen. I've been there and done that. Poor gallon of water in the old Buick and said, God, lay hands on us. Oh, God, get me to the uh, church so I can preach, and then I would trust that you can get me back home. Now you got a Cadillac or something out there, and what more? He said, this old trap, they don't have this, don't have that. It, it won't park itself. It won't back up by itself. It don't have enough telescopes. It don't have enough radio. It don't have enough this. It don't have enough of that. Power, 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 power. I got so many gadgets in that car out there, I don't even know what's going on most of the time. Bells goes off, honk, 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 more, and I don't even know what it's telling me. Driving down the road just as wide awake as I'm looking at you, do, 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 pull over and have a cup of coffee. I said, have a cup of coffee, I just started. I said, that idiot telling me have a cup of coffee, what happened? Well, I pulled out to go around somebody, and I guess they thought I was losing it or something. No, come on. Stop. Have a cup of coffee. Wake up. Have a cup of coffee. <laughs> I told him, I said, well, I wish I could find that computer, and I'd turn that thing off, you know. <laughs> Pull up, you know, and you know how they are in southeast Missouri. When they get over, they, they go real fast, and when they get up to the stop, they stop, and they go. <laughs> Takes them 30 minutes to get off the road, so they're praying that you'll hit them in the rear end so they can sue you. You pull up, you slow down, you get too close, you go, boom, boom, boom. Red light goes off, hum, warning, 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 wreck, wreck, wreck. Glory to God. I'd be glad for a glorified body. Get out of this thing, amen? I think my time's up. Can y'all want to come up here and we'll look at this now. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Boy, I love it. Just stop right there. Who is going to lay anything to my charge? Come on, talk up, speak up. The devil's not going to do it, and I don't give a rip whether you do it or not. There's nobody going to lay in charge to God's elect. Why? It is God. It is God that justifieth. It is God that made me righteous. Tell me about it. I didn't make myself righteous. It was God that done it. You know what justified means? It means the manifestation of a spiritual fact. That's good, Brother Greg. Praise God. Preach some more of it. Hallelujah. It is wonderful. Your righteousness by faith is a manifestation of the fact that you were already a son. You say, what's going to get me out of here, Brother Greg, in a rapture? Justification by faith. Righteousness by faith. You say, oh, I got that. I know Lord Luther. Not like this. Brother Branham said this justification of faith, this fullness of God, absolutely what? Let me get another point here. Boy, that's too much there. <laughs> this is a little bitty right here. To have all the fullness of God, as we preached this morning, cannot happen as long as there's any sin in the body of Christ. Uh. The body of Christ has to be sinless before this can take place. 
Boy, we got a long time, ain't we? We're going to go back to the dark age and start all over with a rolling a wheel again. Let's just see what a prophet says. Now, here's where you lose our position. In other words, going back and look at the sermons of another day. If we don't watch, we try to look back to what we was. Now, think carefully this morning, young people, is what we're trying to get across to you. And as long as we look back to what we was, the sacrifice means nothing to us. Oh, can't you see it, church, he says? I would not try the job. The job of what? Being righteous. Being sinless. I can't, and neither can you. Okay? There's no need of trying. You're lost to begin with as long as you look to what you've done. But don't look to what you've done. Look what that day on Calvary did to you. It paid your price. It settled the question. And that's the sin question. Your sins be as scarlet. They are as white as snow like crimson. White like wool. Then you have no sin. How many amens can I get this morning? You have no sin. You are perfectly sinless. Is there a little faith in there somewhere? No matter what you've done or what you do, you're still sinless. You ought to give God praise for that. That sets us free. Praise God. As long as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven. Anything that's forgiven is remitted and forgot about. Somebody say hallelujah for that. Let's stand this morning and sing a song. Praise the Lord. Then what does it? It gives you, after that condition, His Spirit to follow Him and do as He did for others who is following on. Watch. As long as you have accepted the blood, how can God judge a man that's perfectly, totally sinless? You say, there's no such a person. Every born-again believer, true believer, is perfectly, absolutely sinless before God. He's not trusting in his works, in the blood of Jesus that his confession has dropped into. You are saved by the words out of your own mouth. And you are judged by the words out of your own mouth. I don't want to be guilty of preaching any law or any work or any condition for me being made righteous. My mouth is this. The grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ has placed me perfect before God. That's my confession. That's my faith. That's what I'm resting on. Amen. What are we going to say? Amen. How many believers we have in there this morning? We are free from this disease now. This disease is just a little test to see how we will react. Come on. Our reaction has to be according to faith now. Let's sing it. I'm raised in faith and hope and love. 
I'm a rightful heir. Hope and love. Man, that makes an old man feel good this morning. I'm a rightful land. Faith and hope and love. Anybody believes that today? Let's give God a great big hallelujah. Praise God. Come on. Whoa. I'm a rightful land. Down the title on the thousand hills. Faith and hope and love. I'm a man. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise be to God. Our preacher told me that it's Brother Gregory. You, uh, you, you, boy, you preach. You said it's. That's hard to grasp, praise God. I said, what's so hard about it? Well, he said, now, you know, Brother Bam said, we only potentially have it. I said, uh, he did, huh? Yeah, we Luther potentially had the Holy Ghost. I said, well, Brother, what did he mean? Did Luther have the Holy Ghost or didn't he? He did. Did the people in that age have the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. Well, they wanted Brother Brown to say potentially because they had a spirit of adoption, but the adoption of the body wasn't ready yet. They had potentially what's going to take for them to come out of the grave at the time of the living placing of sons. You and I potentially have the spirit of adoption. But there's going to be a manifestation of the spirit that's in us now in a little bitty measure. Yeah, we wouldn't cast too big a shadow right now. We, but we got enough in there where it says it's so little, hurt not the wine and the oil. That's what all one group had, hurt not the wine and the oil. They didn't have much, but they had enough not to hurt the wine and the oil. And here we are with the full open book. Following the trail of iniquity all the way through from the uh, book of Acts all the way through to day after tomorrow. And every mystery, every secret that God has for the church has been laid out before us. And our riches and our inheritance and our knowledge passes all these theologians and whatever more. And we're just simple people that has something in us that can say amen to the Word of God. You say, that's not very much. That's more than anybody else got. Because, see, we're not too much to look at, talk about, what more? We're not going to win a beauty contest. And we're not going to win popularity contests. And we're not going to get a reward for having the holiest church around either. I hope we stay in condition that nobody thinks we got it. Amen. That way we don't have that many to worry about. God will hide us right in the middle of a field. <laughs> Brother Bam said, one day the people will drive by. The rapture is taking place at their little church in the field, and they don't even know it. The rapture is taking place right here in a little building. 
when we leave, we just scatter out, go everywhere, back to our homes, one or more, and one or more blend right back in. No one knows it. But the devil's sure looking for us. Because he said, I'm going to shut them down. I know the elect won't shut down. Follow me now. I know the elect won't shut down. They're too much, they're too much rebellion. They got too much whatever more going for them. They got too much attitude. They think they're something more. They're not going to shut down. They're just going to show everybody. Now, that little group is the one I'm going to go after. Yeah, we're going to show where sons are at, but then we're going to stick our nose up, and the devil's going to knock it off. So until the anointing comes, I'm not going to brag too much out there too much, but I'm going to brag in here on Jesus Christ. I believe we have our portion. It's the revelation of justification by faith alone. That is not Luther's message. That is the final element that the prophet brought us to before he left the scene. This is my Thanksgiving message to you, little bride. You've never done it. You stand absolutely, totally sinless before Almighty God. That's thus saith the Lord. And there's where I take justification as the final element of the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen. So God bless you. Amy's happy. We still got a few sick among us. What more? And David, good to see you again this morning. Missed you a little while. I know we forgive you for that. Amen. And still got some young couple sticking on one. But we'll just pray that the new year will bring in everybody healthy, wealthy, and wise. Amen. And because I've got a vacation coming up. Just to let you know. I got one coming. How many knows when it usually is? February, yeah. That's what it is. And we, so far, we've tried to keep it. So if you take that away from us, we won't have any. But we're trying to keep that. So I'm looking forward to it. That's what's keeping me going, just like a carrot in front of a horse already. Amen. Break, 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 break. But this anointing we're speaking about, and we'll speak further on and elaborate a little bit in our message, is coming. It is a promise. It is thus saith the Lord. It's the teaching of the Scripture. And it will happen before the resurrection. Amen. Look for it. Confess for it. Believe for it. And when it arrives, we will be the first ones, basically, hopefully, to get the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm looking for. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer before we leave. Father, we thank you for your visitation this morning, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to teach your word. And we know only by your spirit can our hearts be open and our minds receive. Therefore, we thank you for your grace and goodness. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the revelation of this hour that we stand absolutely sinless before the Almighty God, the Judge, totally sinless and blameless before your Son. This is a great mystery, and it's a paradox to our minds, Lord. But we believe it, and we have received it. And we're trusting only in your grace to us in the work of Jesus Christ. So we thank you for each soul that you gathered together here this morning. We ask you for complete healing of those that are still being afflicted by this sickness that is among us. So we ask your grace to be extended to everyone and to every church and every member of your bride. Anoint us for your grace and anoint us for service. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed this morning. Thank you once again for coming. Amen. Amen.